day of the week why it's vent time it's frustration time it's a tuesday especially after watching last night's college football game the championship between michigan and washington we'll talk all about that and a whole lot more today on the show jam-packed guest lists coming your way today we'll recap it with our good friend houston nut coming down from texas oh yes the former Ole miss and arkansas head coach We'll get his thoughts on what we witnessed last night in the college football championship game. Also, Paul Gutierrez, ESPN Raider Insider. Always fun with Paul because not only will we talk Raiders, we'll also talk NFL playoffs. And I'm sure that there will be a breaking, breaking two, electric boogaloo, and maybe even a Beat Street reference with my former breakdancing partner, Paul Gutierrez. He actually wasn't my far, former breakdancing partner. I used to breakdance on my own, just so you know. So that's happening today. Chuck Esposito will join us over at Red Rock Station Casino's executive director of race and sports. Always a, a favorite. So we'll have Chuck on today. Obviously, we couldn't have him on yesterday. We were on location at the Westgate, and uh, the party was on definitely yesterday. Uh, as uh, Jay Schrader came down to join us, Marco D'Angelo, my friend James Owens in town, the uh, former UCLA Bruins, San Francisco 49er, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, U.S. Olympian, he stopped by. And then uh, we watched the game last night uh, inside the world-famous Superbook. Big Mo, Paul McKeskey and company, C-Win crew came on down, had uh, uh, a big gathering last night to, to watch the game. So uh, always fun, great place to be at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook. So you know we have a, a great time there on Friday afternoons and, of course, uh, you know special events, special occasions like yesterday. So I appreciate Jay Cornegay, John Murray, the entire crew, always uh, so good and gracious to us at the Westgate. So a lot to talk about today. But Numbchuck, you know, I thought about you today because I was having lunch. Uh-oh. I was having lunch today. And I know that- Were you having Chinese? I never have Chinese. Okay. Why would you even say that? Why would you start to instigate something like this? Because it's fun. (laughs) Actually, there would be no reason for instigation. Got nothing against Chinese food. I'm just not a big fan, you know? I'm a foodie, but I'm a particular foodie. Yes, I know. Okay. All right. No, shout out to to my guys over at Freddy's. Uh, So my man Gio today. Now- Tell me if I talked about this before. Did I tell you about what he what he did to the hot dog? Did I mention this to you before? I probably never mentioned it. I don't think you have. Okay. Okay. If you have, I've forgotten about it. Yeah. 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 I probably didn't. All right. So I have a new recipe. A new recipe for the hot dog. Which I never would have thought about. So when I went to Freddy's last week. Is it pickles and ranch? No, like, like that's, the pizza? that's frosty. No. And, and by the way, uh the frosty update. 
he did show up at Slice at his own place on Sunday, but there was no specialty pickle ranch pizza. Okay. There was nothing there. He, he, he didn't do it. Didn't do it. Had the fantastic spread though. Yes. You know, with, with everything, with the wings to the, the tenders to the pizza to the taco bar, the taquitos, uh, great crowd on hand. And again, shout out to, to Scott Frost and the great crew over at Slice. A great season that we had at uh, Raiders indoor tailgate party there leading up to the game. But no, that did not happen. Anyway, back to Freddy's. So I ordered the, my Chicago dog. Yes. The, the world famous Vienna all beef hot dog. And I should have saved this story for Marco because he'll appreciate this as well too. So I noticed when I, when I bit into the hot dog that like, wow, this hot dog is like really extra hot as in temperature hot. Uh oh. And it had such a snap to it too. And it was good. So he comes on out, you know, Gio, the fine general manager there at uh, Freddy's on Eastern in Silverado Ranch. And he says, so what do you think? I go, I don't know what you did, but you did something. But keep to, doing to this, it. This hot, exactly. Yes. So I go, he goes, what do you think? And I go, it's outstanding. What'd you do? Took the hot dog, flash fried it for about 15 seconds. Ooh. Yes, exactly. Ooh. That was my response. Flash fry, but oh, but wait, there's more. Then he puts it on the grill for about 35 seconds. Put in the, the bun, which is the Texas toast yes, bun. Yes. Ooh. Add the mustard, the grilled onions, deliver it to yours truly. Outstanding. Outstanding. How about that? How is this any part of Terrible Tuesday? It's not terrible. This should have not this, been I've got, on Terrible I Tuesday. I haven't got to Terrible Tuesday. I understand this. Okay, this is the good portion of Tuesday where we're smiling. We're saying it's our favorite day of the week. Okay. Like, I don't know. Because I, I had lunch today, so I don't know why I'm going there. But anyway, so that was part it's one. It's a normal day for you. Thank you, you had food. Thank you. Part two, and you probably didn't. Not yet. Yeah. Starving, slaving away with no food. No one brings you food around this joint? Am I the only guy that brings you food around here? Yeah. Okay. Or our good sponsors who, who come and deliver food. Exactly. All right. Our, our, our good friends after four o'clock who come in here and, and deliver food. Mm. Yes. Anyway, um, so today I go back to Freddy's and what do I get? So today's the number five day. It's the rotation. You know, go the hot dog, the number five, the jalapeno pepper jack burger, right? You're going lefty today. I'm going lefty. Yeah. Exactly. So Gio comes out and delivers me the tray and he's like standing over me like, okay, what, 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 what am I doing here? So talk to him again about the hot dog. Fantastic. Open up the burger. He's got bacon on there. Ooh. Okay. Add, added some bacon. Okay. Like, like, Hey, here's a, here's a little something for you. Like, okay, that's, that's pretty good. You know, I like that. And then he unveils a big thing of chili. I'm going like, okay. Chili. Yeah. And a side of chili with the cheese. And this side, he goes, it's a cold day. I thought you'd warm it up. And he probably overheard me talking to the, the girl who was taking yeah. my order because I was making a joke about, you know, because she goes, oh, you need you want a drink and all that. So, yeah. I said, yeah, you know, I said, how about some hot chocolate? We need some hot chocolate on a cold day, which they don't have hot chocolate. I was making a joke. They, Next don't, thing, have, they don't have hot chocolate? I don't think so. They should. Everybody should. But I don't think most most places have hot chocolate that are of the fast food variety. You know what no, I mean? Yeah. Too much so, work. So anyway, I, I get I get some complimentary chili that's thrown my way. It's like, wow. So I'm stuffed today. 
I'm full. That's a good. But thing. that's probably why I have all this energy. Yeah. Yeah. Like something different, right? Yeah. So, uh, good stuff. All right. So while we're shouting everybody out, okay, let's so, shout so everybody. We, out. we uh, shout out Slice and Scott Frost, our Westgate. good friends at Freddie Westgate Philly Cheesesteak uh, for everyone last night. Had a boy. The Philly Cheesesteak. Uh, you know that was the recommendation, and then going back to Friday night spectacular, uh, Blue Ribbon Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Shout out to. To Johnny, Chachi, the crew there. Of chicken. Yes. Now, if you want to go to Blue Ribbon, which I know you do. Oh, by the way, Burline texted me, uh, you know, during the show about the chicken, wanted me to put a bet in for him for the Buffalo Bills future bet. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he texted me while the uh, punt return is going on. And oh, yeah, I, I forgot to bet this. So, Burline, you're down. Don't worry about it. So, anyway, Nunchuck will probably just, you know, keep your money. He'll book it himself. Bingo. Six to one. That means you have to pay Berline six hundred bucks. Nope. So, if you think that the Buffalo Bills will not, you can just book his action. Berline, I do not have your cash at all. <laughs> have never touched it. Uh, not yet. All right. So, anyway, shout out to to Johnny Blue Ribbon. Had a fantastic meal. Went with the New York steak, as well as the chicken. So I had to introduce. All right, our good friend. B Sal to Blue Ribbon. I saw the picture of the so, B Sal there. So brought B Sal down, and you heard what he said on the show Friday. Well, this better be good chicken. It better be good because I'm a chicken connoisseur, right? And how did he react? Oh, we had to get a second bucket. Of course you we, did. There you go. Yeah. So still undefeated with the Blue Ribbon chicken. Fantastic. We, we do need to find somebody that's yeah. like not going to like it. Uh, impossible. I know. Yeah. It, it, it's the best. So he was blown away. And then uh, also got to have dinner with number 12's parents. Uh-huh. Not Tom Brady. No. Not TV 12? Not TV 12. Oh. No, no, no. World champion back-to-back. Point guard. Point God. Pink. Number 12. Point God. There you go. Yeah. Chelsea Gray's parents were um, there, so we got a chance to, to see them hang out. Um, you know, so it was a great night. Fantastic night at Blue Ribbon. So, uh, shout out to my guys there. Okay, I think I got everyone shout out. Right, that's good. Got we got the food, we got the chicken, we got the steak, we got the Philly cheesesteak, and we got the jalapeno pepper jack and the hot dogs. Who says we don't like food? It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, the college football championship game last night where Michigan defeats Washington 34-13. Oh, yes, we had all the hype, right? We had the battle of undefeateds, two 14-0 teams, eh? And the narrative kind of played out how it normally has in years past. What happened last night? Another blowout. Did I not warn myself... And everybody that was in shouting distance, my crew that said, beware, because this could happen, because I still had that sick feeling in the back of my head, in the back of my stomach from last year when TCU got destroyed by Georgia 65 to 7. And I said, please, let's at least have a ball game. Let's not have this debacle. Well, guess what? It wasn't 65 to 7 
but it was the same thing. Bottom line was it was not a game. It was not a very good game. And sure, it was 17 to 10 at halftime, but it was downright ugly. Michigan, too strong. Better defense, better running game. Even though they kept Washington in the game in the first half, the Huskies were no match. So now that narrative comes back to, oh, the Pac-12, let it go, let it implode. Washington, Oregon, these other teams will get obliterated once they go to the Big Ten starting next year. And here we go again. Pac-12 had no business being in the college football playoff. Shouldn't be in the championship game. Can you hear it now? Of course you're going to hear it now because let's remember, people watch the championship game. More people watch the championship game than they'll watch the semifinal games. And then, of course, they won't watch too much regular season football, especially the Pac-12 teams. So for a lot of people last night, it was their first time probably seeing Michael Penix or maybe only the second time, and they heard all, they heard all the hype regarding him. Well, and what they saw last night was, really? Are you kidding me? Well, here's what happened last night. Washington was held to one field goal in the second half. Michigan outscored Washington 17-3. to They thoroughly dominated the game. They had 303 rushing yards to Washington's 46. A total of 443 yards in all for Michigan. You had Michael Penix, who was inaccurate, missed wide-open receivers, had two interceptions, looked horrific. He got beat up. He got beat down. He was holding his ribs. Just terrible. Just terrible. The offensive line, pathetic. Holding penalties. False starts. It was ugly. It was downright ugly. Washington was thoroughly outplayed in this game. Blake Corum, phenomenal, over 100 yards. Edwards, over 100 yards. 303 rushing yards, like I said, for the Wolverines. So what does this mean? This means that there really is no true balance in the college football world. You have one or two teams each year that is dominant, and then there is everyone else. And now we say goodbye to the four-team playoff. We've had 10 years of the 10 of the four-team playoff, and now finally we go to 12 teams. And everyone is applauding, thinking this is going to be good, and it will. It'll be better. It'll give you 12 teams, but we are still going to have the blowouts. right? And now the NCAA is not sure if they're going to go with five automatic bursts or six automatic bursts for the conference champions, whether they're going to have seven at large or six at large, and that's going to be a big deal. But that discussion will hold to another time. But here's what we do know. That, like last night, like last year, that the championship games, for the most part, stink. They're not very good. Let's go back to the history of the 10 years of the college football playoff. 2015, Ohio State beat Oregon 42 to 20. 2019, we had a couple close games there in 2016, 17, and 18. We did. But then from 2019 on, Clemson 44-16 over Alabama. 2020, LSU 42-25 over Clemson. That game wasn't even that close. That was a 17-point spread. Remember Alabama 52, Ohio State 24? And how about in 2022, where we had Georgia beating Alabama 33-18? to 
Last year, Georgia, 65-7 over that TCU team that blew out Michigan in the semifinal. So that gave some people some hope. Well, maybe Michigan's really not that good. Washington had this great year. No. 34-13 last year. During the last 10 years of the championship game, the average victory margin in championship games has been 18 points. The average victory margin, 18 points. So we had two three-point contests in there, right, going back about seven, eight years ago. Other than that, we had blowouts. And you know what? That's not even counting the semifinal games. We've had 12 of the 24 total CFP semifinal games that were decided by at least 17 points per contest, and we had plenty, plenty of 20-plus blowouts in that venture. So that's what you got going on with the college football championship game. Yes, it was disappointing, as usual, and it really kind of put a damper on the way we feel about college football moving forward because we got a little hype. Because like I said, just last week, we had both semifinal games go down to the final play of the game, and we thought we'd get a competitive football game. Instead, we got another blowout in crowning Michigan champions. Coaching changes. It's that time of the year, right? Coaching changes in the National Football League. Today, we got word that Tennessee got rid of Mike Vrabel. Fired after six seasons. Vrabel had a record of 54 and 45. It was a winning one. But he was 6 and 11 this season. Even though they had a very impressive performance, you talk about teams playing their for, for their head coach. We talked about that with the Raiders and Antonio Pierce. Well, the Tennessee Titans did that. They eliminated the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even though the final score was 28 to 20 in that game on Sunday, it wasn't even that close. Why the Tennessee Titans played for Mike Vrabel. Derrick Henry's phenomenal, over 100 yards rushing. But Mike Vrabel was below 500 for two straight seasons, and that got him axed. Owner. Amy Adams Strunk. No, not that Amy Adams. Not the one you're talking about. All right? You know Amy Adams? Clint Eastwood? The Curveball movie? Come on. Why can't I think of that? The Curveball movie where where she was great. She knew her baseball inside and out. You don't remember that? Yeah. No. Can't can't hit the curve. Beautiful movie. Anyway. I need to go watch that now. Yeah, she was in there with uh, Justin Timberlake. You don't remember the movie? No. He was a scout for the Red Sox. Clint Eastwood, her dad... You know, was was a scout, and then she kind of took over, found this phenom, no. lefty, nope, taco nope. boy, nope. You don't remember popcorn nope. boy? You don't remember him? Nope. It's a great movie. Now, not now you have a movie that I need to go watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is it? The can't hit the curve. It's, that's not the call. The name of the movie. It's the curve. Whatever it is. Not. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll it. go yeah. look it up. Yeah. Oh, love that movie. Anyway, that's not. So Amy Adams Strunk said this. As the NFL continues to innovate and evolve, I believe the team's best position for sustained success will be those who empower and align and collaborative team across all football functions. What is she saying here? Last year, we began a shift in our approach to football leadership and made several changes to our personnel to advance that plan. As I continue to assess the state of our team, I arrived at the conclusion that the team would also benefit from a fresh approach and perspective of a new coaching staff. Now, Mike Vrabel 
you don't talk about Mike Vrabel in the lines of being a great football head coach, but there's nothing bad about Mike Vrabel. Like Antonio Pierce, Mike Vrabel was a great football player. He was a great motivator. Actually turned out to be a really good leader of men and knew what he was doing. Didn't he get 2022 Coach of the Year? Thank you. That's exactly where I'm going. Yes, he led Tennessee to -to back-to-back AFC South championships in 2020 and 2021 and earned the Titans the number one seed in the AFC in 2021 the same year, as you mentioned, Coach of the Year. Two seasons later, he's let go, and Amy Adams Strunk makes this stinker of a statement. What new... They had injuries. Your starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, was injured. You relied on Will Levis, first-round pick out of Kentucky, to be your quarterback. He's going to have learn on the job. You still got arguably the greatest running back in today's game in Derrick Henry. Now you don't know if you can keep him or not. You had DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the game. You stick with Mike Vrabel. You don't fire Mike Vrabel. But here it is, another owner that's saying, we need a fresh approach. What, he pissed somebody off? Did he do something wrong? Absolutely not. It's a joke that Mike Vrabel got let go by the Tennessee Titans, and they'll probably be worse for it. Other head coaching firings, Ron Rivera. Okay, we understand that. The Washington Commanders are a mess. Is Ron Rivera going to get another opportunity? We don't know. Four seasons in Washington. He's 26-40-1. Arthur Smith, good riddance. Another one of these guys that I talk about. Coordinator, trying to be a head coach, didn't work. Three seasons. Atlanta finished 7-10 and in each of those seasons. Well out of playoff range. Arthur Smith, 21-30. and Then, of course, we have the situation here in Las Vegas with Joshua Daniels. A season and a half, 9-16. and Will Antonio Pierce get that job or will it be someone else, like maybe Jim Harbaugh? And we will dive into that a little bit later with Paul Gutierrez. You have the situation with Brandon Staley, where he left, fired midseason, after the Raiders shellacked him. Basically, he was fired at halftime. Carolina, Matt Rule, let go midseason as well, too. How many of these jobs are really attractive? Now, the Tennessee Titans job is attractive. The Raiders' job is attractive, and then maybe the Chargers' job. But anybody trying to turn around Washington and Atlanta with those quarterback situations, man, not good. But shame on Titans management, Titans ownership for getting rid of Mike Vrabel a little too soon and one of the good guys, one of the good coaches in the NFL. Okay, as DJ Cool once said, let me clear my throat. We have the NFL playoff schedule. We've all seen the NFL playoff schedule, haven't we? It's a pretty good schedule this year. Oh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good schedule. Let's start with that schedule. Cleveland's taking on Houston at 1.30 p.m. on Saturday on NBC. I'm going to skip over the next game for a minute. Sunday, we've got Pittsburgh at Buffalo. On CBS at 10 a.m. I'm liking this triple header. 1.30 p.m. We've got Green Bay and Dallas on Fox. And then the nightcap. The Rams take it on Detroit on NBC. Then we have a Monday night game, which I'm fine with that. 
long as the teams that are playing fine, because they'll have a little short week next week, Philadelphia playing Tampa Bay on ESPN and ABC. Then we go back to Saturday night at 5 p.m. Saturday at 5. What am I watching? You're not watching anything. Why am I not watching Because you're not allowed to watch anything. Well, knowing you, you'll probably find a way because I know you. You have ways of pirating certain aspects. Yes, I do. If you're looking on NBC, you're not going to find it. If you're looking on ABC, you're not going to find it. NFL Network? If you're looking on CBS, you're not going to find it. If you want Fox, you're not going to find it. ESPN, you're not going to find it. NFL Network? You're not going to find it. Because we have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins on Peacock. We have an NFL playoff game on Peacock. Why? You know what 90% of NFL football fans are saying right now? Why? They're saying not why. They're saying what? They're saying what is Peacock? Because no one knows about Peacock. No one wants to watch Peacock. But what does the NFL want you to do? They want to give you Peacock. That's it. They want to give you Peacock, and they want to shove that Peacock right down your throat. We don't want Peacock. You can have your Peacock. You can shove your Peacock. Because we are watching NFL playoff games on Peacock. Sunday night football. Buffalo's playing Miami on Sunday night. Did you notice anything that was happening? Were you listening? Were you looking at your screen? Because every break Mike Tirico came out of, he was doing what? Promoting his Peacock. That's what he was doing. Promoting Peacock. Pleading fans to buy Peacock. He was selling subscriptions, literally. Seriously, selling subscriptions. Get your Peacock subscription to watch this game. Did you hear how they were promoting it? It was ridiculous how they're promoting it. They're saying, be part of history and get Peacock. What do you mean history? What history? History that majority of people cannot watch the games? Why does the NFL not realize that believe it or not, this sounds crazy, but it's true. Look at the statistics. Look at the analytics. Then most people still don't have cable in certain areas of the United States. Football fans, they can't afford the NFL Sunday ticket. They can't afford these packages and still a lot don't have cable. I know it seems kind of weird in 2024, but that is still the case here. And streaming? What are the percentage of people that actually know how to stream or know what a stream is? You have people today saying, what is Peacock? Because they have no idea. It's a subsidiary, obviously, of NBC. And NBC has the rights to that game, but they are withholding it because they want you to spend more money and watch this game on Peacock. Yeah, that's what Mike Tirico was saying. He's selling subscriptions. He's warning fans because he knows it's going to be upheaval. And today and the rest of this week leading up until next Saturday night, people are going to be saying, what the heck? I can't find the game. What are we going to do? And at his words, okay, and granted, this isn't against Mike Tirico. I love Mike Tirico, right? It's sign up now and witness history. History of what? Can I call something right now? Call it. Next week, this exact time. Yes. 
we will be talking about all of the issues that Peacock is going to be having. Oh, yeah. Buffering, overloading. There's no way. No way. Yeah. And again, you know, part of the streaming problem, again, you can't flip back and forth to regular channels. It's a nightmare. Yes. You want to subscribe to Peacock? Okay. So what? You can watch replays of figure skating, bobsledding, European or South African soccer, bocce ball, handball, snowmobiling. I'm on a roll. Replays of surfing. They do have one good thing. What's that? They have the WWE Network. Like I said. You are on the WWE Network. What? You are on Peacock. Okay. With Rob Van Dam. The RVD special. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Still, I'm not buying Peacock. That's what Peacock is. NFL football? No way. No way should this be streamed. NFL is holding fans hostage. Plain and simple. You can't that there's no way to sugarcoat it. That is the scenario. They're making you subscribe to a streaming channel. No one wants to watch a game, especially an NFL playoff game, on a streaming service. And it's nobody. Best game of the best game of the day. It's embarrassing. That the top league in all of sports, the NFL, has succumbed to this chicanery, this travesty of holding you hostage. Oh, you can't watch the game. You have to subscribe to Peacock. Go over somebody else's house that has it. Go to a sports bar. Hey, there might be a lot of sports bars that don't subscribe to Peacock. Well, they're subscribing today. Thursday nights on Amazon? Ridiculous. We've had enough of this, all right? No more overseas games, no more Amazon, no more streams, no more mockery of the game on your Nickelodeon network. No. A playoff game on Peacock is absurd. It's ridiculous. And like you said, here we go. This is Miami and Kansas City. The highest scoring team in the National Football League versus the defending champs and the most popular player in all of the National Football League in Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? You're not going to be able to see it. You're not going to be able to see it. You're not going to be able to see it. No one's going to be able to see it unless you want to shell out some money and then get, oops, buffering, oops, buffering. Please stand by. Come on, man. We have gotten to this after all the advancements and beautiful moves by, you know, lifting blackouts all of that kind of stuff, getting to a Sunday ticket package where you could watch whatever game you want via the regular airwaves or cable or satellite television, and now you've got to go to a streaming service to get a play a football game. Oh, yeah, that's the history, NBC, Mike Tirico, all you execs. That's the history, but wait till you see what your numbers look like. And you got people in two big-time fan bases, especially Kansas City, they're saying, what? We can't watch this game? No, don't subscribe to Peacock. Because what are you going to get for your Peacock? What are you going to get outside of this football game that you really want to see? No Peacock for you. We come back. We'll talk to Houston Nut. You got some terrible Tuesday takes. Hit me at TC Martin 21. 
We're going to recap that mess of a football game last night with Houston Nutt. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at the brand new venue at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. Join us as we induct the class of 2024. NBA champion Matt Barnes, all-star James Donaldson, Major League Baseball's Nick Johnson and Leon Lee, and world champion triathlete Jamie Whitmore. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. For all info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. Hi, this is Dusty Baker, proud member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. You have to be there to see it at Thunder Valley Casino. Hi, this is Lonnie Jordan from the band War, and you are listening to T.C. Martin. And now, I forgot what he told me to tell you. He's lying to you all! He's lying! Alright, we continue on here on this Tuesday recapping that mess of a football game that we saw last night, right? Oh, it's a terrible Tuesday edition of the show. And uh, let's vent a little bit more about that game. And let's hear from the coach himself, the former coach at Ole Miss, Arkansas, Boise State, and of course the CBS head coach, the retired CBS head coach, who was uh, watching this game last night. And I know he was texting me during the game. I think he was kind of happy because uh, he's now going to take full credit for calling the victory, yeah. even though yeah. he was uh, on a, at a Waffle House all week last week, waffling back and forth. The one only Houston nut. I waffled back and forth, but when it got right down to it, what did I say? I told you and Jay both, I'm leaning, I'm going with Michigan. Much as I love Michael Penix and those receivers and the offense, I'm going with Michigan. Why? Because they run the ball the best, and they stop the run the best, the best defense. Got to give it to them. Got to give it to Michigan, TC. Got to give it to them. Man, you are right. I, I give it to them. I just, again, I, I just, remember I said yesterday, I said I was really on the fence with this game, and I started off leaning yep. towards Michigan, and then, I don't know, man, if I was drinking the Kool-Aid or what, but I, I said I did not <laughs> want to fall into that trap like last year with TCU. Now, now, granted, this game was not sixty-five to seven like Georgia beat down TCU, but but Houston, it really had that feeling. It was one-sided. I mean, the the final score was a twenty-one point victory for Michigan, thirty-four thirteen, but it was seventeen ten at halftime. But I don't know about you, while you're watching this game at halftime, did you still feel like, wait a minute? I mean, Michigan should be up by by seventeen to twenty right now, and they were letting Washington hang around. But you're right. And for everything you said, I'm going to give you all the credit, brother, all the credit, because the running game, superior. The defense, superior. And what the heck, man? Why didn't you you pound it in our heads earlier in the week? (laughs) Because I was like you. I started drinking a little bit of that Kool-Aid watching these guys that went 14-0 as well Mm -hmm. go up and down the field and think, wait a minute, maybe Michael Pennish can get this done. Uh, because he can throw under duress. But I tell you, this was a different type of duress last night, man. He got beat up. But going back to what you said, though, TC, it's 17-3. to And do you remember what happened there about midfield? He had the punt yeah. team on there. Then he takes right. a little time out. So, wait a minute, we're going for it now, buddy. And it doesn't. It kind of flipped it. It flipped the momentum big time. Right. It could have been, it should have been, if you're Michigan, you're sitting in Michigan, oh man, because I know his father, I coached against 
Uh, Jim Harbaugh's father, he was at Western Kentucky. I was at Murray State. You left Murray State off, too. Don't, I, I, don't do that. I, I know. I know. I should. I don't. I, I forgot. <laughs> hey, the racers. We love the racers, right? Blue and gold. Right. Blue and gold, the racers, aren't they? There you go. There you go. That's it, buddy. But anyway, what I'm saying, I guarantee you, Jack Harbaugh was saying, hey, hey, Jim, punt the ball, man. It's 17-3. to Pin them back down. Your defense is off. So, at worst, Michigan, you're thinking, we're going in the, in the locker room 17-3. But instead... You let Michael Penix and guys get that touchdown seven seventeen ten different game now. Yeah, yeah. No, so you're... I'm like you. I'm thinking, okay, here comes Michael Penix. Now they're fixing the. You know, I've never seen him miss that many balls ahead of receiver wide open. I've never seen him miss one like that. And, and that's what I'm trying to figure out. What was it to the credit of Michigan and their DBs, or or, or was it just the the harassment that he was suffering. I think it's the harassment because remember we talked about this yesterday in, in the last couple of weeks that you know Mich- that he doesn't get sacked. He only got sacked ten times all year, and we're thinking like, okay, hey man, he's got those big Samoans. He's got that big offensive line, right? He's going to be protected. His offensive line was terrible. Not only were they not protecting him, but they were jumping off sides. They had false start penalties. We had holding penalties. I mean, he was yep. under yep. duress, and, and you saw him in that fourth quarter, Houston. He was beat up. Penix was oh. just beat up, and I think that's the key, right? He did not have the time. And then when he did have the time, how about when he missed the, the open receiver on fourth down? The, he would have oh, walked in the end zone there in the first half, right? Exactly right. And that's not like him. I've watched him all year long. He he he, he made throws all year long. And so – that was a little bit, a little bit different. That, that wasn't like him. It's, it's not, not uh, like Michael Penix to miss open receivers. But as you said, though, this is the first time now. By that fourth quarter, now he was throwing and ducking. Now this, this guy was getting hit and hit. I thought, I thought eventually, I thought there towards the end of the fourth quarter, I thought they'd take him out of the game because he's limping and uh, he was hurting now. So uh, the defense of Michigan just, uh, man, they, they're just they're outstanding. When you look at. And Michael Penix, do you think that this may have dropped his draft status a little bit last night? I tell you what, it, it's gonna it's gonna raise a few eyebrows. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, coaches and scouts that 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 surely believe in Michael Penix. There's no question about it. But this is one game where you say, oh, and and what's tough is you know when you've had two ACLs uh, and now. You know, he boy, he gets beat up last night. That's gonna that's gonna be a factor as well. But I, I think that he's still he's gonna be drafted. There's no question. I don't know how high, but he's definitely he's gonna be drafted because the body of work, the body of work, the way this guy's perform, uh, there's gonna be a team that's gonna take a chance on Michael Penix without question. No, he's uh, he had a fantastic regular season. He had a fantastic yep. uh, career going back to his time in Indiana. As well as Washington, like you said, you know you got the surgeries, but just when you look at him last night, yeah. it was the biggest stage. It was the biggest game of his career against the best defense right. that he's faced all year. And I, you know, again, it's probably not going to affect his draft st- status too much. But like you said, I, I think it has to raise some eyebrows. Like, okay, yeah. you know, the accuracy isn't there against a top-flight defense. And let's face it, I mean, Michigan's defense was number one. All season long, there's no question, you know. And let let's see what you can do against the best in comparison to those Pac-12 defenses that he faced all year. I mean, there are a lot of cupcakes in there as well, too, you know. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's it, for me. Um, 
I just saw some flashbacks going back four or five years ago when he was at Indiana that said, hmm, okay, this is going on again. Because remember, at Indiana, it was basically him and nobody else. I mean, he had a couple decent wide receivers, right. but you know, right. that's why he transferred. That's why he got out of there because nah, he wanted to, to go to a better program. He needed a fresh start. But uh, yeah. what we saw last night was, was not overly impressive by him or really anyone for, that, for, the, for the most part uh, as far as Washington. Yeah. Oh, I know it. I know it. And uh, that's where you got to give a lot of credit to Jim Harbaugh, the defensive staff, uh, Jesse Minter. Man, what a, what a job. What a job they, they've done. And those players believe. And, uh, boy, they were playing very, very physical, very physical, offensively and defensively, very physical. And the running game, man, it was just like, boy, I'll tell you what, that's Donovan Edwards now. He was picking them up and putting them down. Washington a couple times looked like they were in mud now trying to chase this guy. Uh, He's he, by far the, the, the quickest back on the field, and he was outrunning him, man. He was outrunning him, but I didn't understand why Harbaugh didn't go to him more. I, I understand you got the two monsters there with Blake Corum as, as well as Donovan Edwards, but, man, the way Edwards is rolling, I mean, feed the beast, right? <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be – I really thought it would be something about – 24 or 31 7 there after the first two or three series. If you keep hammering and feeding the beast, as you say, I'm thinking this is a blowout. Mm-hmm. Houston Nutt joins but, us, uh, the former, the former head coach, and also a great tenure over at CBS Sports covering college football. Let's talk about Michigan going forward because obviously the, the sidebar story, uh, which was you know, got just as much uh, publicity as what is next for Jim Harbaugh. Is he going to come back? Is he going to go to the NFL? And then if, uh, is Michigan going to uh, be sanctioned more next year? I mean, heck, got to remember, here's the first time ever that a team won a national championship where their coach missed six games due to suspension, three in the beginning and then three at the end of the regular season. I mean, it was crazy, but it just shows you how good Michigan was. And we got to give right. Jim, Jim Harbaugh credit. He's a fantastic coach. And I know there's people yep. here in Las Vegas that would love to see him roll with the Raiders here. What is your gut feeling that, you know, two-part question here, what do you think Harbaugh decides to do? And, again, it's just an opinion here. And then the other thing right. is, what happens to Michigan going forward? Are we going to see more sanctions? If Harbaugh leaves, then what do they do as far as another coach? Yeah. Um well, I think first thing to start with Jim Harbaugh. Again, you know what else can you do when you know when you win a national title, and you know that they're still going to be investigating san- sanctions. And I have no inside information and no no communication with anybody there. I have no idea. I'm just outside looking in, as you said, an opinion. I, I think you know he would go to the NFL. Uh, he he would go coach the NFL and get away from from all those things. But again, I don't know. Uh, winning's powerful. It's a great feeling when you see the relationship between the players and coaches last night. Uh, I've never seen Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, uh, that, that personality he had last night, I, first time I've ever seen him like that. You know, sometimes he can be, be a little bit different. But last night, I mean, he he's letting it loose. He's putting on sunglasses and enjoying the moment. His players, they love him. And if he does leave, I do think this. I, I think uh, the the man uh, was it Moore, Coach Moore. I think they'll move him right on up. The guy that was the interim head coach, where where uh, Jim missed six games. Yeah, yep. I, I met him down there at the Bulls Award 
uh, uh, the assistant coach banquet, Coach Bulls Award banquet down there for the assistant coaches. And I'm going to tell you, he's class as they come now. Class, class act. And I can see uh, just the job that he's done as the interim. I could see him just making a very smooth transition, move him right on into the spot. Uh, so that's what I think. But again, I have no idea and don't have a clue and don't have any inside information, TC. Well, I'll tell you what uh, you do have a clue about, and that is the passion for a university. You had that at Arkansas. That was your alma mater. You played there. You coached there, right? And Jim Harbaugh clearly has that love for the University of Michigan, and I think that's part of the emotion that you're seeing for him because this is a a, a place – that he still loves. He wanted to come back. He wanted to lead this program. Let's face it, they were going through some down times, especially they couldn't beat Ohio State, you know, and first few years he was there, they still had problems beating Ohio State, but he has a genuine love for this university. So I think that is going to maybe weigh in, and I don't think it's he's anti-Michigan. I think if anything, he's maybe anti-college or anti-NCAA. I shouldn't say anti-college because – I mean, you know, he, he he loves college football. But talk a little bit about in that decision-making progress when you have a university that is your university because you went there, you coached there. How difficult is it to leave? I tell you, it's it's really difficult to leave, especially when you uh, you have the highest of highs. The thing about this game, it's the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. But last night was the highest of highs. You you can't get any higher. You're uh, you're on top of the mountain, and it's the greatest feeling in the world. And um, and you can tell uh, by the coaches, the players, and so that's hard to leave. That that feeling is hard to leave in the relationships, and you know recruiting's going well, and and all of these things. The, the the players that are coming back, they're excited, and they'll be their, your best ambassadors, and so. When you when you add that all up, and you you said it, you said it. When it's your school, he he walked down the hallways. He he's walked that campus. He played there, and so now to be able to 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 hold up that championship trophy, it's 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 got to be one of the greatest feelings in the world. So how do you leave that? And the only thing to me is if if you have that conversation with your family, your wife, and everybody, and it's hey, look, we we got. We had the greatest of times. We won the whole thing. There's not much higher we can go unless we want to go duplicate that thing, which will be very hard to do. It's always hard, but uh, he probably could do it. Uh, but do you get away and say, you know, maybe maybe we need to step away because here it comes now. Here comes a lot of lot more investigation, a lot more you know scrutiny of of, of always asking about. Uh, the the scouting, the signal, you know, stealing, and all this stuff. Do we do we turn and go get another job and start over? And so, to me, that's you know, that's the questions. But boy, it's hard. It's hard to leave, especially the atmosphere you had the other night. And here's the thing, too. I think from a Michigan Wolverine fan base, that you know they wanted him to 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 come there and coach there, and they love him. He's one of their own, right? And they stuck behind him during all this stuff because the majority of that fan base feels like, hey, man, you know, the, he got done wrong, you know, plain and simple here. So now he wins the championship, and most fan bases would say, oh, my goodness, you're going to leave us to go to the NFL, shame on you. But m- my feeling here is 
that I think if there was ever a beautiful time or an easy segue to the NFL, this is it. Because Jim Harbaugh yep. basically has kind of painted the NCAA as as the enemy, the evil, and there will probably be that Michigan fan base to say, you know what? We understand you got us our championship. You know, we understand why you're going to leave. We're not going to be mad at you. Where any other scenario, that fan base would be very upset. Lyle used us for a stepping stone, but I don't think, that's just my opinion, I don't think they'd view it that way. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. Everybody's happy right now. I work with a young man at uh, at CBS for a lot of years whose name is Jamie. That and let me tell you, he's a Michigan man, and there's happy. There's no one Harbaugh can do no wrong. The players, all that group, can do no wrong. They're put on a pedestal for life. <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, I'm sure, I'm, like you at Arkansas. I mean, it's the same way. You know, you're on a pedestal for life. That's it. <laughs> I don't. I didn't get to hold up that national championship trophy like I wanted to, but no. But you know what? I guarantee you that there's a statue of you in the cafeteria. I guarantee that. No, 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 no. no, no. I've been there. There's not. There should be. All right, man. What do you think? So we say we say goodbye to the uh, college football playoff in this rendition of four teams. Yes, it was better than it was, and now we go to the twelve team playoff. What do you think here? Is this just going to be a clear cut thing where hey? You know, no problem going forward, or do you still think there's some kinks to work out here with the, you know, the the Power Five champions versus how many we're going to get at large teams? Because there's that debate: should it be five? Should it be six? You know, should it be you know seven? Uh, you know, at large selections. I don't know. What do, what do you think going forward here? Yeah. What are we going to see? Uh, you know. <clears throat> You never know. You know, that's the thing about this game. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's still some unknown. We're in uncharted waters now, but you'd think it'd be a, a little bit easier. But, you know, with a 12-team, 12, 12 you can bet this. That number 13 guy's going to be mad, too, just like number five was. Just like you've been hollering about – I can't believe you hadn't brought up Georgia uh, in this segment. Uh, I've been talking about Georgia <laughs> all year. They're number one, baby. Know, that's know, it. Georgia would have destroyed all of them. Uh, hey, Kirby Smart would really appreciate you saying that. You I that promise right. you that. All right, Kirby. Send, uh, send me some dog swag, Kirby. I love it. I'll, I'll sport it. <laughs> uh, but, hey, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be gonna be different. I'm just going to sit back and be like you. I'm going to be watching real close. All right, man. Uh, final thing. Uh, we talked to you yesterday. You were talking about Italiano. That was going to be the, the food of choice last yeah. night. Let's hear the rundown. Let's go. Oh, it was really good, buddy. Really good. Started out with a nice Italian salad. And then you got Randy White. You ever had any Randy White? They're called Randy White. It's ravioli with melted, beautiful melted cheddar what, cheese. Randy White, top. the linebacker? Is that what you're talking about? The cowboy yeah, linebacker? That's right. It's named, it's named after him. Corky Campisi named it after him. Really? Because he loved them so much. And they're, they're cheese ravioli with, you need to go cheese ravioli or meatball, meat inside. I mean, unbelievable. That was great. You got to get the all the way pizza, which is big time. Uh, and then the lasagna with meatball sauce is just, it's out of this world, man. When you come down here, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take you there. No, wait a minute. You're taking me to that steakhouse. You're taking me to Hutchins yeah. barbecue. And now I, I got to be there for a week, I guess with you. Right? I love this. I know you. Hey, your travel with your basketball and all this get it yep. it can be accomplished. It can be accomplished. And the way you stay so skinny, man, it don't matter. 
man, you're you're lucky. You get to eat all you want, and stay thin, man. I don't get to do that. Well, I'm not complaining about uh, the, the food. I mean, I'll, I'll 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 get three of those plates in one day if I have to. But yeah, I'm gonna have to extend, you know, my stay and make sure I I, fl- I fly in a day or two earlier. There it is. And uh, I haven't looked at our Aces schedule yet for next year. I know we got two trips to Dallas, so I'm gonna have to look at, and hopefully we got a gap in there because. I need extra time with the with the H man over there. That's what I need. You need extra time. That's right. That's right. I love it. <laughs> I love it, brother. All right, my friend. Well, you know, this means that we're probably gonna, you know, take a deep breath and and, and let you go for for a while. But I don't know. I, I might have to tap into you, man. I might have to tap into you a little more often. You know, it's basketball season, my man. Let's go. I know, see, because you can talk basketball with the best of them too. Oh, there we go. How about those Missouri Tigers? Give us an update real quick. How's our boy Dickie doing over there? Dickie Nut. Man, they're they're just now going to get into SEC play. They got to play a little bitty team tonight called uh, Kentucky Wildcats at Rupp Arena. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you what, they missed Kobe Brown and they missed uh, uh, Hodge, the shooter. That's two NBA guys. They missed those two guys, but. uh, Hey, Dennis Gates will get it done, man. I'm a believer in Dennis Gates. All right. That is uh, tonight. There we, go. we got action here. We got New Mexico taking on UNLV tonight. And as Houston said, uh, they got uh, uh, Kentucky playing the Missouri Tigers tonight. All right. Yeah. We're looking for yeah. that. That's in Lexington. And uh, Houston, just to let you know, uh, Kentucky's an 11.5 point favorite. Take them, wow. Tigers. Take them, Tigers, plus yeah. the points. Right, right, right. Be sure to tell Jay now. My 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 Michigan pick. I didn't quite get thirty nine, but we let him off till he got thirty four points. Be sure to tell him we got close. I'm sure I'm sure he's listening now, brother. You know, he really kind of questioned me. Are you? He kind of, Houston. You really think Michigan can score thirty nine? Hey, that's just Jay. Uh, that's just Jay. He's like giving me the business. He's rubbing into me last night, and I'm looking at him while we're sitting on the couch eating last night. I'm going, you had the same side I did, and he just laughed and he goes, "Yeah, but I didn't lose any money." Ha ha ha! I, I said, "You can you can exit anytime you want." So there, that's Jay. That's just Jay. He likes to give us all a bad time. But I tell you what, man, he loved being on with you. He was pre, uh, praising the rewards of you, and we talked all all about all about the coaching and the uh, and the and the option and the veer, the, all of that with you. I, I wanted to ask him so bad. I didn't really know that was him, man. Yeah. And uh, I think we had the same quarterback coach, Don Bro. Okay. I think we had the yeah. same one, man, and. and uh, I'll tell you what, boy, Jay had a great career. He did. did a good job. He did. All right, and like us, he can eat too. Remember that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, all right, Houston, take care, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, man. See you. There Bye-bye. he is, my guy, Houston Nutt, CBS Sports. Again, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Boise State, Murray State. Got to get them all in there. We come back, Paul Gutierrez. I guarantee you there's going to be a breakdancing reference. Catch your dreams before they slip away Dying all the time Lose your dreams and Blue 80! Blue 80! Blue 80! Omaha! Live! You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Richard Rodgers with a 
the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Has some time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes over. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? Right here on this Terrible Tuesday edition. Yes, plenty of Terrible Tuesday takes. Go back to the website. Check all that out at tcmartinshow.com. I want to thank Houston Nutt for joining us. Hour one. How come every time I go to Houston Nutt, I start going to the southern accent like that? It's just contagious, isn't it? It's what happens when you go to Houston. That's it. Come on. <laughs> Recapping that travesty of a game last night. Well, I guess it depends on what side. If you're a Washington Husky fan, definitely it was a travesty. But if you're a Michigan Wolverine fan... It was rather nice. Another championship game blowout last night. All right, so we hit that in hour one. Hour two, we will talk a little NFL playoff schedule. We've got that going on. Chuck Esposito will join us at the bottom of the hour from Red Rock. Get his thoughts there. The fine race and sportsbook director there. And right now, we cap off or top off or start off hour number two here with the live breakdancer himself. He does it all. And uh, he is now, I guess, uh, you know, chilling out a little bit, even though this is not chill-out time, even though the regular season's over. Playoffs not on the horizon for the Raiders, but a lot of front office decisions to be made. And our guy, Paul Gutierrez, I should say ESPN's guy, we're going to claim him too. You're our guy too, Paul. So what do you think of that? I like it. I like it. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it's hurry-up-and-wait season. Um, you know, when, you, when you're trying to fill a lot of roles from – uh, general manager to head coach to offensive coordinator to potentially defensive coordinator and oh yeah quarterback yeah there's a there's a lot of hurrying up and even more waiting going on so yeah that's that's where we are that's where we're at all right man so obviously you're staying uh, staying by your phone in case you gotta get out to the facility real quick right it's that time of year yeah. right exactly exactly there's and, and you know that's the thing with with the nfl and, and any sport anymore i guess is there's no real such thing as an off season and at least when you're in a season, you have a schedule, you have games, you know exactly when things are going to happen as long as, you know, as far as games are concerned. But now it is, it's a lot of, it's like playing uh defense. You just, uh, you're reading and you're reacting. So it's, and, and you're also, you're trying to, to get the scoop and, and, and break a story here and try and figure out where, which, which way the key leaves are pointing and things like that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's something when you've been covering the Raiders, as long as I have, you just kind of get used to it. You know, you know what this season means. How many times have you, thought okay this is the perfect time for a vacation it's time to get away i don't want to be bothered i wish i could just turn off my phone but then all of a sudden uh-oh there's a breaking news with, with the team you're covering how often does that happen for you um that'd probably be a better question for my wife because she would be able to tell you exactly when and where it happened um yeah no, it, it happens all the time i mean i could tell you um, I was in line for uh, a roller coaster at Disneyland, California Adventure, last year when the uh, the Derek Carr news broke that he was being benched. Um, I was visiting a campus, uh, University of Pacific campus, with my son when he was on his college tours last spring when the word came that he was actually released. Um, anywhere, anywhere, you just have, always have to be, you know, I call it the matrix where you're just always plugged in. Right. And you just have to always, you know, you can't really take a break unless you tell your bosses, hey, I, I, I'm on vacation. And I'm leaving, but even then things happen. I mean, it, it's wild. That's just the world it is. You know, with the 24-7 news cycle, here we are. Now, I don't know if you had the fast pass or not, but if you were standing in line like for an hour and a half and then you're about to, to, to climb in that roller coaster, oh, oh, oh I got to go. Derek Carr, what? I, I got to go. You can't give that up, Paul. You got to stay on the roller coaster. 
Um, you know what? I had already written that coaster once. It was the uh, the Incredit coaster, <laughs> so I was good. And being an ESPN employee, you know, I, I, I that's right. I'm good. That's so right. So I got out. I got out and I wrote a new story on my my work phone, the iPhone. So the quickest my thumbs were ever working. I love it. That is all. That is awesome. All right. So the Raiders close out with a victory Sunday against Denver. I don't know how you felt about this. You know, I'm walking up to the press box and you know walk around the stadium a little bit, and I've just felt that it was a weird vibe and understandably yes. so. But as you know, with the Raiders, it doesn't matter the record and this team really isn't used to playoffs and everything. So the fan base is crazy, but I was really kind of tuned in to the Bronco fan base and I was walking up. I'm going like, you know what? These are two dejected fan bases today. That's the vibe that I got that it was like, okay, especially if you're Bronco fans, like you probably bought these tickets to come to Allegiant stadium early in the year. And you're thinking, wow, playoff implications. You know, Russell Wilson, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, the hated Raiders. We actually got a shot this year, but just both fan bases, it just seemed like, wow, you know, th- there's really not much to play for today. You didn't, you didn't think a lot of those fans there were, were hyped for the Jarrett Stidham versus Aiden O'Connell matchup at quarterback? I, I didn't no? feel it. I, didn't, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I thought they were more in tune to like, hey, I, let me be the first in line to go get a Fuku burger. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I, I, I've been saying I've been. I guess I've been offending a lot of people yeah. when I say that. See, what's the other way? I've never, I, I've never, I've never had one. So, but uh, you know, my producer extraordinaire. I mean, I think he's got stock in the. It is Fuku, right? It is Fuku. Yeah. They are amazing. Okay, so, Paul, Paul. okay. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny because I've been saying that, and people saying "fuk you, fuk me" or something. I don't. Know, it was something like that regarding the burgers. Yeah. But, uh, well, Paul just Paul just had his vowels mixed up a little bit. You know, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> All know, good. Yeah, but it was it was a strange vibe. I felt it walking in and. Um, because it was almost like last day of school, but trying to pr- prove something. And, and, you know, if you're just pulling away and looking at it from a realistic, logical standpoint, yes, you play to win the game, no doubt. Shout out Herm Edwards. But really what the Raiders did was, yes, they, they've owned the Broncos, and you always want to own your division. You want to finish with a winning record in the division. They swept the Broncos. Great, good. Antonio Pierce put his stamp on on his resume, so to speak, by – closing out with three wins in the division. But at the end of the day, the Raiders, they also did this. They gave themselves a harder schedule for next year, and they worsened their draft spot. So does that matter? I don't know. Would you rather have the win or the draft slot? Would you rather have the win or an easier schedule next year? I don't know. I think you just want to play for pride, and you just figure it out from there. But I will tell you this, that in going into that locker room afterwards, and once you kind of clear through the cigar smoke, um, getting into the locker room, and then looking up and seeing all the legends that were sitting in there, from Jim Plunkett to all the gold jackets, Ted Hendricks, Jim Otto, Charles Woodson, Richard Seymour, Mike Haynes, Marcus Allen, all in there celebrating and, to a degree, advocating for Antonio Pierce to get the job, that in and of itself was worth the price of admission. And, and that was you know, a, probably one of the, the, the biggest moves that Antonio Pierce and Champ Kelly did to try to solidify their, their spots. Because we all know how much the history, the heritage, the DNA, all of that means to Mark Davis um, when it comes to this franchise. You know, two things there that you that you hit on. First of all, the cigars. You know, the team acted like they qualified for the playoffs or something. You know, with this, and I don't know if that rubs some people the wrong way or not, or because we've seen the cigar celebration what two or three different times during the course of this regular season. We're saying, you know, I mean, Red Arbuck wouldn't be too. Uh, too uh, proud of that. You know, you got to re- reserve those moments. What is your take about that as far as, you know, celebrating, you know, a an 8-9 season? 
Yeah, you know, it, it took me back to 2010. And, and I'll tell you a quick story here. I'm covering the Raiders at that point for the Sacramento, no, actually for CSN Bay Area. And they finish out, they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead and make my way down to the locker room. And the Raiders finish 8-8. Eight and eight. And Tom Cable made his infamous saying, we're no longer losers. We're not losers anymore. Yeah, 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> So as I'm making my way back up to the, the press box to write, I hear Al Davis's voice. And he's being pushed in his wheelchair. And I stop. I introduce myself. And I congratulate him. I congratulate him on not only ending the season on a win, Uh-oh. but congratulating Uh-oh. him on an 8-8 eight and eight season. <laughs> and you can't talk about Al Davis without doing the voice. This is not an insult or anything, but it's, it's my attempt at doing the voice. He looks at me and goes, ha, eight and eight. If that's the world you live in. So that right there told me that he was not happy with eight and eight. What? And I used that later on. So, so yeah, to be, uh, you know, eight and nine, it, it, it's different. It depends upon which lens you're looking at it through. I mean, these guys to a man in that locker room, they really feel like they were kind of sprung from some sort of jail when Josh McDaniels was fired and Antonio Pierce took over. And, and, um, yeah, and it's not a shot at Josh per se, but it's just that Antonio let them be them. They let them be themselves. And being the old school Raider quote unquote fan that I was when I was a kid growing up, it felt really similar. Honestly, it felt really similar to when Mike Shanahan was fired four games in the 89 season who wouldn't let guys sit on their helmets. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, yep. And then all of a sudden Art Shell comes in and he's the players coach and he knows what it means to be a Raider. And he understands the, the history and the culture and everything that comes with it. This feels like that just fast forwarded 30 plus years. So that, um, you know, there's, there's more social media. There's more guys being out there. There's more, you see it, you hear it. And, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, should you be smoking cigars and celebrating after finishing eight nine? Probably not, but they did it, and that's what Antonio talked about yesterday when I asked him a question about about the situation. And, and he said, look, they, they weren't really necessarily celebrating the victory, per se, as much as just celebrating being together and accomplishing a goal together. And, and if you can compartmentalize that, more power to you. You know, and as far as the the head coaching, whether there's a vacancy or not, uh, we don't know. But, you know, of course, the narrative out there is is that, hey, well, Antonio Pierce is, you know, one over the locker room. Of course. I mean, those guys are players. He's a former player. I get that. You know, we, you know, we see that. But really, I mean, how far can that really carry you? And I'm not exactly sure because I haven't talked to Mark about this. And he, you know, I, I'm not sure. You know how he's gonna, you know, you know, take this. If uh, he's gonna go with Pierce, he's going to, you know, obviously explore other head coaches. You know, obviously Jim Harbaugh. That's that that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. And plus, there's the relationship there. But just, you know, h- how far can that go? Because I'll just speak for myself, Paul. I still thought there was a lot of questionable um, situations, play calls, timeouts usage by Antonio Pierce. That it showed, okay, this guy is not ready to be a head coach. I mean, yes, fire, emotion, uh, you know, having having the players, you know, rally behind you. I get all that, but when we look at his resume, it's five and four, and I'll give him all the credit in the world. They beat a Kansas City Chiefs team on the road. That that is the signature victory. But I still can't get out of my mind. You lost three nothing to the yes. Minnesota Vikings on your home field. Sure, the next week you put up you know, 60-plus points, and you set a franchise record against a Chargers team that basically fired their coach at halftime. So I'm just not sure, you know, 
what screams this guy is going to be a successful head coach. And I, I'm sure Mark is going to take everything into consideration here. But as you know, there is a, a, a big portion of the fan base and even media people that think Antonio Pierce deserves this job. Yeah, and that's what therein, therein lies the problem mm-hmm. is take deserve out of the equation because right. two years ago, I would have died on this hill that Rich Basaccia and that entire staff, quote unquote, deserved at least another year. Mark Davis didn't see it that way, and it's his call. He was not impressed with the X's and O's of Rich Basaccia. He wanted an X's and O's guy. So he went out and got who he was told, who he was sold on, was the preeminent X's and O's guy that was available at that time in Josh McDaniels. Didn't work. So now you have to wonder, and I did talk to Mark after the game, and I wrote about it on ESPN.com Sunday night. Um, he is. He, he's excited. He's excited about the way the team came together and the way the team finished under Antonio. He was excited about finishing um, with a winning record in the division, with those three wins against uh, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos to close out the year under Antonio. And, and when he first elevated him from linebacker coach back uh, on November 1st, Mark told me at that time that he didn't necessarily want um, Antonio to coach the team so much as lead them and then delegate to the coordinators. So I asked him Sunday night, I said, did he do it? He said, without a doubt. And then he turned it around and asked me, what do you think? Yeah. And that's when I told him, I said, well, going in that locker room and seeing all the old legends in there and the celebration and the vibe, I said, it felt very much like an old L.A. Raider vibe. And then he quickly corrected me, Mark did, and he said, Raider vibe, Raider days. Right. So that, to me, told me that he appreciates it and he respects it. Is that going to push Antonio over the finish line? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't doubt it. I, but I also believe that it's going to be a bigger percentage of the decision this time than it was two years ago. Because there's been a lot of re- reports out there that, oh, Mark regrets not hiring Rich Versace. I don't think he regrets not, not um, hiring Rich two years ago. But I do believe that he wishes he had taken the temperature of the locker room more right. two years ago which to me means that he's going to take it more this time, but I don't know that that's what's going to get him over the top. Yeah, and see, something that you said right there, too, it, it just resonates with me. Like, even though you're, you know, you're not going to have any influence in the decision, he's done, he, did the, he has done the same thing with me when we were talking yeah. about whether it's Raiders or Aces things, and he will say, so what do you think? And that's yeah. the point here with Mark is that, you know, it, he's not a Jerry Jones type of guy, as you know. He is a guy that will will really try to you know, gauge other people's interests, especially ones that he respects. He's going to have, as you know, he taps into Charles Woodson and other uh, former Raiders alumni. He knows other executives and other organizations or retired people. And I think, you know, he's always done that with making these coaches' decisions, but I think that he's really going to tap into more so uh, this time around than anybody else, and he's really going to take his time because he can't swing and miss in this. And I think that he knows that he swung and missed with a, with a McDaniels thing, and there's probably regret with that, but at that point in time, he thought, okay, you know, this feels pretty good. But I think that he knows deep down inside that he has to to score here, hit a home run, score a touchdown, whatever you know, crazy you know, uh, you know, verbiage you want to use here. But I just feel that he is really going to tap into as many people as he possibly can who he respects and says, you know, let, I, I, we got to make the right the right decision here. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, this takes a while. Yeah, and, and I asked him that too. If there was any type of deadline or, or timetable, and he said, nope. Probably before next season, though, which, you know, he laughed, and, and that's him, and he gets in his car, and he goes off. So yeah. um, 
I look back and, and that's the thing is, is with these situations, you can, you can try to learn from the past and, and, and uh, apply it to today. And you look back and well, you know, Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels were announced on January 31st, the week before, you know, before the Super Bowl. So I would imagine something similar this time as well, because the NFL really frowns upon teams making news during Super Bowl week, but with the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, um, what better way to do it the week before the Super Bowl than to have kind of a splash hiring slash announcement? The other thing here too is, um, you know, they, they need to figure out what they're going to do with GM too. Right. So, and if he's going to stick with the idea that the GM should have some sort of say over who the coach is, okay, well then something certain, certain things have to happen in a certain order. Also, is he going to have the football czar that we've heard about and talked about that's going to really oversee all of that? Uh, you know, and if it is Antonio Pierce, well, what are you going to do about the offense? What are you going to do about the quarterback? They're, they're drafting 13th instead of eighth or ninth, which they could have been before uh, with a loss. So it's it's um a lot of questions with fewer answers. So it's going to be again, like I said at the top of this, it's, it's hurry up and wait, check your sources, check in, see what's going on. And, and based on my conversation with Mark after the game, he seemed a little bit more fluid this time than he was. Um, Two years ago. Right, right. Paul Gutierrez joins us, ESPN Raiders insider, talking about the Raiders situation. Coach, general manager, quarterback, all three big questions here. Now, we know that the Raiders have moved on the general manager candidates right away. Uh, they've requested to interview three candidates. Ed Dodds, once again, he was actually interviewed by Mark Davis and, uh, a couple of years ago, as we know, an assistant general manager with the Colts, Trey Brown, personnel um, executive with the Bengals, and then we have Terrence Gray, the director of player personnel with the Buffalo Bills. We know those three guys are going to get interviews. Anything else you've heard outside of those three uh, guys, Paul, and then give us some some feedback about any of those. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything beyond those three, but it is interesting. And, and again, it's like the head coaching situation. My understanding is that per the Rooney rule, you have to interview at least two minority candidates yep. from outside of the building. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then you go ahead and make your hire or make your offers, and then you go from there. Champ Kelly, I do know this, was that um, when when both he and, and Antonio were promoted to the interim roles uh, back on November 1st, I do, I do believe that Mark Davis was actually, at that point in time, more excited about Champ getting the opportunity to show his wares um, as an assistant GM, or as a GM, actually. So it'll be interesting because if indeed it is champ, then you have a vision of, okay, now where does he want to go? Because Mark Davis told me two years ago, the GM gets 51% of the call of the power. The coach gets 49%. So you throw whatever number you want. It could be 99 and one, but whoever has that 51 gets the final decision, right? Right. So, so then does that then mean that, you know, he was with the Bears when, when uh, they drafted Justin Fields? Does that mean that they make a run for him, make a move for him? Or does that mean that he really didn't like him? I, I, we don't know yet. So that's one thing right there. If it's Dodds, he seems to have the instant connection with Jim Harbaugh. So that's going to get those tongues wagging. Um, it, it's just kind of following, you know, I, I'm going to go, you know, I'll go back to our old school thing. It's like when Bobby and, and, and Greg and Peter were trying to return the Tabu Tiki to Vincent Price yeah. and he had to leave the trail of popcorn yes. going all the way to the cave so yes. that, that the parents could find him. Yes. It's the same thing. we got to follow that same trail that Mark is leaving here <laughs> to tell us exactly what's going to happen next. And if your sound guy can find the the sound of the tabloid kiki from the Brady Bunch, more power to you. <laughs> There's no doubt. I, I I'm just glad that you didn't go with you know uh, you know you know uh, Mike leaving the uh, the architect plans on the uh, uh, roller coaster or whatever at Kings Island. If you remember that one, 
They're, they're, Kings Island, and yeah, and, was, and then he, he pulled out the Yogi Bear poster, right, or whatever. But yeah. the thing, the, the good <laughs> trivia about that, uh, yeah, I know we always go off track here, but the good which trivia is, about... Which is what our audience wants, <laughs> by the way, Paul. Enough Raiders. Are you kidding me? They're 8 and 9. Talk TV. Talk music. Talk breakdancing. Let's go. The good, Yeah, the good trivia about the, Ra- the, the Raiders, about the Bradys going to Hawaii, was when, when Mike came home from work and told the family they were going to Hawaii, he still had the straight hair. Right. When they get to Hawaii, he has the perm. <laughs> yes. and the perm stayed throughout the remainder of the series. That, to me, is the best, besides the... <laughs> the sound of the tabutiki. So there you go. Oh, Dumpchuck's got it. But the, the question is, it's like, he says it's a four-minute <laughs> clip. So it's like, we're not going to yeah. we're gonna tolerate four minutes, but if you can get the sound no. of the tabutiki, uh, it's in Vincent Price. It's out there. Yeah, it's, it's there. It's out there. There's no question. And does, don't forget, Vincent Price with a classic voice in Michael Jackson's 1983 thriller. Let's don't forget that. All right? No, not at all. Not at all. And saw that documentary as well and yes. took me back to junior high school. And I remember everybody having to leave school immediately to get home to watch it live on MTV because if you didn't see it that day at that time, you didn't know when you were going to see it again. Unless you had a VCR. And in 1983, nobody at Barstow really. Not a lot of people in Barstow had VCRs. <laughs> there he is. You saved my beans. Oh, well, good. Now, let's get on. Are you prepared to tell me where well, you a little faint there? The precise spot. It's yeah. from '72, buddy. <laughs> I mean, like they didn't have HD. Uh, uh, to- we need, need the sound of the tiki. I don't need to hear Vincent Price or or or, or Mike or Greg Brady, but that's okay. But speaking every of which, time something bad happened, yeah, every time something yes. bad happened, whether it was the, the the tarantula crawling on on Peter's chest, this thing falling <laughs> off the wall, almost hitting Bobby, Greg wiping out, Alice's hip going out. There it is, the tiki. Uh, hey, Paul, if you have not seen the uh, the the Showtime documentary, the, uh, the Forty Years of Thriller, it is fantastic. Okay, it just got released last month. Uh, you got to yeah, see thought. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, an hour twenty four minutes of gold with uh, with with Michael Jackson. The forty yeah, anniversary. Phenomenal. It is. It is. It is. It is phenomenal. I saw it already. Yeah, it, it is great. All right, so here's the question. All right, we talked about the GM. We talked about the coach. What about the quarterback here? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's had the great attitude, but you know he wants to play. And yeah. you and I have talked about it before. It's like, okay, come on. Did Antonio Pierce really believe that Aiden O'Connell was the best quarterback on this roster in this quarterback room? Or you know, was there a directive not to play Garoppolo? I, we saw Garoppolo get in the game for three plays, you know, and yeah. one incompletion, and that's it. Uh, what's your take on Jimmy G? Did you talk to him on, on Sunday? And what are the Raiders going to do with this contract? Yeah, I talked to Jimmy yesterday, actually, in locker room uh, cleanup. The guy has been nothing but a pro. I mean, after what we saw last year when the starting quarterback got benched, he took his ball and, and ran home and didn't talk to anybody. This guy stuck around all year long and, and you know, was a mentor for the first time in his career, was a mentor towards a younger guy and accepted the role. And as he told us yesterday, he was a rookie once himself, and Tom Brady did it for him. So it's in his mind, quarterbacks have to pay it forward. So that's what he was doing. Um, he told me off to the side, hey, man, you never know about next year. A lot of it depends upon who the GM is, who the coaches. Um, I didn't ask him about his contract. I'm not trying to get in anybody's pockets. Right. But if he really wanted to come back and compete to start, and if Mark Davis was all up for it, because obviously, obviously, a thousand times, obviously, Jimmy would not have been benched without the owner's approval, per se, right? So if Mark's up for it and if Jimmy wants to take a pay cut and come back and not make $25 million, um, I don't see why they wouldn't do that. But also I will just tease to what we're doing at ESPN. We have a, a, a mock 
um, quarterback exercise going on where we can put in trade offers for different quarterbacks. And I may or may not have put in an offer for Justin Fields, not knowing who the GM or who the, the coach is going to be. But, you know, you got to kind of protect yourself. And then at 13, those top three quarterbacks are probably going to be gone. And here's the other interesting thing was that um, Jaden Daniel was in the locker room, too, um, reportedly after the game. And that's that's Antonio Pierce's guy from Arizona State back right. in the day. That's true. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good stuff uh, from Paul Gutierrez. All right, we'll leave with this, my friend. Now, uh, I know you're ESPN. This is Terrible Tuesday. I nearly lost my voice in the last segment. Now I'm going to give you your turn here. Uh, a little playoff football. Okay, we've got two games Saturday. We've got three games Sunday. we got a Monday night game. That's all fine and dandy. But only one of these games, Paul, the general public, for the most part, is not going to be able to see because the NFL is holding hostage for you to purchase Peacock. How do you feel yeah. about Peacock in these playoffs, Paul Gutierrez? You need to write something. You at least need to scream something. Let's go, man. Yeah, you know, here's the thing about that is um, if it was on ESPN, I'd probably be all for it. Um, but when I worked at NBC, I'd probably be all for this, too. It just, it just seems weird. I mean, the season's too long. Um, gosh, you know, I remember when this would be the weekend of the conference championship games back in the day. So it just, everything to me seems like it's just a money grab. And, and this kind of goes along those vibes too. Um, it just is a shame. Everybody should be able to enjoy the game and, and, and appreciate it and watch it on their own devices whenever and wherever they want. And, um, yeah, it just seems like it's just going, it's it just a, a path going towards more and more money for, for, the haves and, and less of the have-nots. It's unfortunate. And it's Miami and Kansas City, too. I mean, you've got the number one scoring offense against the defending champs and the most popular player in the National Football League in Patrick Mahomes. And a majority of the public uh, will not watch this, whether they don't know how to find a stream or they don't want to pay for a stream. They shouldn't have to. And, and again, it's just insane that we've gotten to this. Okay, the Thursday night thing, I'm not a fan of. Uh, I'm not a fan of streaming it anywhere when you're just limiting your audience. But a playoff game? Are you kidding me? A playoff game and a playoff game with these two teams? I mean, we were talking about potentially this being an AFC championship game. It is, it is the best playoff game that we have of the weekend in a majority of the country. And not going to see it. Yeah, and that's it, – it's – I kind of phrase it this way. It's like the, the frog in the boiling pot of water, right? It, the frog sitting there in the water is just slowly boiling, and he doesn't know he's being cooked until it's too late. So I think they're, they're just doing all these tests here to see how much the fans will pay for it, how much they'll take. And, uh, you know, and, and if fans are going to go ahead and buy it and, and go in, then that's more money for the NFL. It's, um, I don't know, maybe that's just the cynic in me, but I, I don't like it at all. It should all be on quote-unquote free TV because that's what the fans deserve. Yeah, I don't know how you did in chemistry or whatever that was, Paul. I'm not boiling frogs, science. I, mean, I, I, I was out. I was out, man. I was looking at the racing form during my science class. I'll tell you that right now because uh, my old teacher is like 78 years old. Doc Williams, Folsom, Folsom High School. Yeah, he said, that's okay, kid. Just pick me a winner at Golden Gate Fields in the eighth race today, and you're good. You had So you went to Folsom High School. I had a cousin who went to school at uh, Folsom State. Actually, no way. He was in the Folsom State. My <laughs> right down the street, brother. Hey, yeah. I visited it every day on our bus. I mean, we we, we, st <laughs> we, we we stopped there all the time, man, up the hill. There it is. Yeah, Warden's kid was on our bus. There he is. Oh, boy. Yeah, there you go. Don't forget, Jake Browning, Folsom High alumni. Remember that. I will remember that. I did not know that. There you go. There you go. See, we, we aim to please here. All right, brother. We'll let you get back to some uh, classic TV uh, during your downtime, if there is any. 
Sounds good. Hey, and also one more thing there about you were mentioning the thriller uh, yes. documentary, 1983, 40 years ago. Yes. Not only was it that long ago, that's also the last time the Raiders won a Super Bowl was the 1983 <laughs> season. There you go. This is true. There it is. You want to be starting something? All right, man. <laughs> we did it. Take care, brother. All right, you too. There it is, my guy, Paul Gutierrez, Raiders insider, ESPN, breaking down all the knowledge from the football side. GMs, coaches, quarterbacks, and music. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at the brand new venue at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. Join us as we induct the class of 2024. NBA champion Matt Barnes, all-star James Donaldson, Major League Baseball's Nick Johnson and Leon Lee, and world champion triathlete Jamie Whitmore. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. For all info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. Hi, this is Dusty Baker, proud member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. You have to be there to see it at Thunder Valley Casino. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. Continuing on here on this Tuesday. Again, uh, recapping the championship game from last night. Michigan victorious. Finishes season 15-0, huh? Seems weird, doesn't it? You know, 15 games in a college football season. We never thought we'd see that, right? But uh, will that extend when we go to the 12-team playoff? Who knows? All right, we got that. Thank uh, Houston Nutt for joining us last hour. Paul Gutierrez, this hour, the Raiders insider, talking about the Raiders' questions. They've got to uh, fill a head coaching vacancy along with a general manager and a quarterback. All of that, and we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Uh, go to the website, check everything else out, our thoughts on that at uh, tcmartinshow.com. But let's continue on from a sportsbook perspective, and let's hear from our guy, Chuck Esposito, over at Red Rock. Chuck, what's going on? All good, T. Just hard to believe, like you said, college football's over. Michigan goes 15-0. and Pro football regular season ended, and it's uh, postseason time. And there's you know some really kind of intriguing matchups this weekend with some great kind of side stories. Man, you're right. Uh, tons of it. Let's uh, let's talk about, start uh, and put a bow on the college football championship game last night. Chuck, we saw a lot of money come in, I believe, on, on Michigan, because I know that a lot of properties, we saw that line go up from four, four and a half, and I saw some five and a halfs. I don't know where it was at your place last night, but it just seemed like an avalanche of Michigan money. Was that sharp money? Was it just public money? And give us your take on how this unfolded with a week's full of betting here leading up to the championship game last night. Kind of a combination of both, T. I mean, we were actually in a position where we were Wolverine fans. I think when you look at ticket count, it was about 65 to 67% in favor of uh, Washington. Uh, ticket count was higher on Washington, not only straight, but parlays and money line. Uh, and also, there was some serious liability, I think, industry-wide um, on the Huskies. Don't forget, we put up the, the futures to win the college football playoff or championship almost a year ago. And although Michigan was one of the favorites, Washington was not. 
And as an industry, they were posted somewhere in the range of, you know, 45 to 50 to 1 or higher Mm -hmm. industry-wide. So anybody sitting with a a ticket on Washington definitely had a big smile on their face. And kind of the way they played the second half of the season. They weren't nearly as dominant. They played a lot of close games. But under DeBoer, they had been in the role of an underdog. Huskies are a dog, not only 5-0 against the number, but 5-0 straight up. Um, So there was some liability, I think, industry-wide on the Huskies yesterday. So for our side... Michigan and under, and just winning um, was kind of best case. Getting him to cover the spread also was fine, but kind of a positive outcome for us on our side of the counter. And then from the total perspective, Chuck, we know that uh, overs are always popular, especially in college football, especially in the conditions of of indoor playing on carpet, basically. Uh, But the game did go under last night. How did that sit with you guys? That was also a good outcome, T. I think, you know, and let me just backtrack a second. There was some liability because of what occurred on um, on Saturday and Sunday, where Saturday the isolated game, the favorite one in the NFL, the Monday night NFL, or the two games on Saturday, the favorite one, the Monday night isolated game or the Sunday night isolated game, the favorite one and covered. I think favorites won ten games this past weekend, right. so there was definitely some carryover liability going into last night. But all the way around, it was kind of again future book uh, outcome of the game and total were favorable for us. 10 and 6 favorites in the NFL uh, over the course of the weekend. And that's pretty much been a trend over the last four or five weeks, maybe even a little bit longer, right, Chuck, with, with the favorites cashing in? Yeah, it has, T. There's been, you know, uh, I'm a huge football fan and we talk about it every week, but there's been some ugly football. Um, I think you look at the the kind of the gap between the, the haves and the have-nots, and it just got bigger earlier this year, the gap. Um, so you look at it, and you, it was a lot of it was even somewhat predictable this weekend. You hate to say that's the case, but um, you, you talked about a Cleveland team that we knew was going to rest a lot of players. They wouldn't be playing Flacco. We knew that Moore and Cooper were hurt. Uh, they wouldn't be playing Ford. And Cincinnati kind of wanted to go out and win, um, you know, put a, a stamp on a season where Burrow was hurt the majority of the season. And then even our, our biggest game of the day in the afternoon was clearly the Raiders, uh, you know, very similar to the way they were bet when they were leaving Oakland and coming to, to Vegas. I think it was against Denver as well and extremely one-sided. Ticket counts were over 85% in favor of the Raiders and not a good outcome for us. It was just even on the two games I mentioned, neither one had – Playoff implications, but but both the favorite easily won, and it was semi predictable just based on kind of reading between the lines. All right, all right, Chuck. As we look ahead oh. to the playoffs coming up this weekend, uh, we gotta love this as, as fans and like you said, you know, bookmakers. You had two games Saturday. Everything's isolated. You got three games in those slots on Sunday, and then we got a Monday night football game. And I think you know that people have uh, forgot about this. We've been doing this. What well, is now the second or third year in a row that we've done this Monday night game. And I'm just wondering, you know, how much of a, a disadvantage this is to the winner going on next week, and you know, the NFL picking the four and five seed here in the NFC of Philadelphia and Tampa playing on the Monday night, but. Uh, uh, hey, that's great. I mean, again, we're 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 used to Monday night football. We got the championship game last night, of course. You know, with the college side, so we get it extended at least one more week here. But uh, give me some quick thoughts on the schedule. I love the three primetime games, T. Um, you know, I think you're right that the uh, uh, the team that plays on Monday night. I mean, they are going the winner of that 
game is going to be playing on Sunday. I don't think they could, from a competitive standpoint, uh, put them on Saturday. But you look at the matchups, and I know Deshaun Watson is hurt, but you get Cleveland against the Texans, Watson against his old team. You get Tyreek Hill going against the Chiefs. You get Mike McCarthy, a fired as coach of the Packers, going against the Packers now as head coach of the Cowboys. And Matt Stafford now going against the Lions in the late game on Saturday. So a lot of kind of great side stories there. I think they're really all compelling matchups in these games. I think the hottest team right now going into the playoffs of all these teams clearly is the Buffalo Bills, who at 6-6 six and six really ran the, the, the table at the end of the season, looked to be playing well on both sides of the ball. The weather's going to be bad there. It's going to be bad in Kansas City. We know Miami kind of limps into the playoffs, beat up somewhat. We know Philadelphia limps into the playoffs, beat up somewhat. So we'll see how it unfolds. But I think these are really, really good matchups. Looking forward to seeing uh, all six matchups and, and love the fact that we have three primetime games. Yeah, and it's funny that you hear, you know, anytime you hear about matchups, uh, oh, conspiracy theory and this and that. Hey, no conspiracy theory. This is just the way that it worked out. Like you said, Tyree Kill going right. back yep. to Kansas City, Mike McCarthy against uh, his former team in the Packers, uh, then the Stafford thing, and, and Goff going head-to-head. I mean, that is uh, is is very intriguing as well too. No, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be great. Chuck, of all of the we've seen that these games usually there's usually maybe that one blowout, but then for the most part in this round the games are usually pretty tight, pretty close. Uh, is there any significant uh, you know money coming in early? I know it's really early. You guys put these things up Sunday night, but uh, any any love for any particular dog so far? Well, we've seen a little bit of money on almost all the favorites, T. The one that stood out a little bit to me is Rams-Lions, that the initial push was on the Lions. It drove that game up to three and a half, and then it was bought right back again. So it kind of shows you that there is an appetite that if this game goes above that key number, that the betters are going to pounce on the Rams right away. I think you look at the job McFay did there with a young team and Matt Stafford and um, all the changes they had the last couple of years, but uh, an offense with, with Puka and Cooper Cup and, and Tutu and Robinson and Williams, that they really played well, and defensively they played well too. So this is a, you know, a kind of a dangerous young Ram team. We've seen some future book money come in on them as well. I think it's a really intriguing matchup. I think much more pressure on the Lions. Um, you know, the, the 30-year playoff drought, um, you know, having an opportunity to host a playoff game at home on Saturday night. I think there's way more pressure on the Lions. And I have to think that, you know, Miami, who was going into the, the last Sunday night game, was 7-1 and one at home and only lost the one home game by one point, um, was really beat up in that game. They're going to play in Kansas City where the, the wind chill is projected, projected to be below zero. It's not exactly what the Dolphins had in mind, as dominant as they were going into the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, that game really flipped things. Buffalo wins the division, the number two seed, and then Miami drops to the six, and we know that Miami has uh, all of those injuries on both sides of the ball as well, too. Chuck, I don't know if you uh, have planned to uh, you know, get uh, some more you know, chairs or desks or couches uh, and get ready for, to put them in the book for Saturday night's game, my friend, because people are going to be coming in, all right? Because people are going to say, wait a minute, Peacock, I don't got this. I can't get this. I got to run down to all the station casino properties. Chuck. You're going to have an avalanche of people coming in here. And, oh, tell me how you feel about Peacock there, Chuck. 
I, I love the avalanche. You know, I love it when guests come in and want to enjoy everything we have to offer. If that means we have a bigger crowd in here on, on Saturday night and people are rooting and having fun, that's awesome. I mean, I'm definitely a little biased, but there's not a better place to watch a pro football game and a pro football playoff game on prime time than any of our racing sports books throughout the industry. So come on in, have some fun, and uh, it should be a great game between the Rams and the Lions on Saturday night. I know. Uh, what, what is your take on this, though? That we're, I mean, the NFL basically has said, okay, we're, we're you know, we're, we're holding a hostage here. I mean, if you want to watch this game, you've got to stream it. And I don't know if that affect how it affects you from a sports book uh, standpoint, but it's, it's not like you're really showing games. You're doing the Thursday night game with the Amazon. I get that. But again, it's a streaming thing. And this is the first time we've ever seen a playoff game and not just a playoff game, but we're talking about Miami and Kansas City. We're talking about the number one offense going against the defending champs and the most popular player in football right now and Patrick Mahomes and for a lot of people they're not going to be able to watch this game at home and uh, if they do then they're going to have to pay for it you know like I said T come on down and watch <laughs> it here and, and have some fun you know that's uh, going to be on here and you know, enjoy it a little bit. Uh, well, you got me. I mean, I think you're going to get a lot of people. There's no question. You're going to get that. So, uh, but has the, have you guys seriously had any issues at all with any of the streaming games whatsoever, either from, you know, buffering or just lagging behind and then any, you know, liability to in-game wagering with, with the streams at all? Or has it been pretty smooth? You know, I think we're always watching um, to, to see if there's any uh, issues either in the broadcast and, you know, really staying on top of the, the live aspect of, of wagering as well. And if we detect anything, uh, addressing it accordingly. Uh, but for the most part, um, things have run pretty smooth. All right. All right. What's your favorite game of the weekend? My favorite game of the weekend, I think it's the game that we kind of talked about. And, you know, going into the postseason, I wanted to see – Rams Lions. I wanted to see Stafford and how he would play there, and I love the Lions. I mean, I think you know, I, you know, I've talked many, you know, many weeks throughout the season when I said you can make a case that maybe they're the the third best team or the second best team in the NFC. Got off that train a little bit when they had some struggles late, but they're a fun team, and they're going up against a very young team. I think both Goff and maybe Stafford a a little chip here on their shoulder. To me, that's really the game I want to see. And I'm kind of anxious to see McCarthy against the Packers. I think that game, you're going to see a ton of scoring. I know it's a high total at 51. I think you're going to see a lot of points scored in that middle game on Sunday between the Packers and Cowboys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, so I think the biggest question mark, what are we going to see with the Philadelphia Eagles? All right, they're playing that Monday night game, 5 o'clock. Because it is that standalone game, it's a Monday. You're going to get tons of action. And uh, the Eagles, they have really slid themselves uh, basically down to the number five seed here. In Tampa Bay, they're not real attractive. Heck, they didn't even score a touchdown last week, but they got the job done over Carolina nine to nothing. I don't know, Chuck. This is a this is a hard game to handicap. It's, I would think it's kind of a hard a hard game to put a line on too. T, I mean, you talk about the Eagles. They were nine and one um, at that point. That you know, when we had our AFC NFC prop up. They were the team that we were looking at in the NFC. They seemed to be clicking on all cylinders at that point. A.J. Brown was red hot with Jalen Hurts. They limp into the playoffs. We know Brown was hurt. There's been some internal problems with Sirianni and, and, and Brown. We know Devonta Smith is banged up. 
they literally limp into the postseason. Now, they're still very dangerous, but you look at the way they played down the stretch. Even that, you know, week 18 against the Giants, I think you had to pull Hurts because he was ineffective in that game. Not so much that it was meaningless, and the Cowboys were winning their game. So they haven't played well. You're right about Tampa. They win really ugly. I think Baker Mayfield, though, has earned an opportunity to be their quarterback again next year. This game did go up from two and a half to three. Um, I would think maybe the Eagles bounce back, but I don't think it's any guarantee because there are a lot of issues both on the field and off the field with the Eagles right now. And it's funny because you're right. I mean, if you go back, say, even four or five weeks ago, not even, you know, last week, but just four or five weeks ago when the Eagles were starting to struggle, but, you know, and I was one of those guys too that said, well, you know, they're going to bounce back. If you would have put a line on this game then at, you know, Eagles two and a half against Tampa Bay, I think you would have nothing but one side in money. But even as much as I, I, I love Jalen Hurts and I love the Eagles, it is a hard team to back right now with the way they're playing, Chuck. And not only that, but if you look at the body language and you, you hear the stuff that is going on, you know, the locker room and the sideline, it, it, it's kind of scary. And I think, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that think, okay, well, you know, they can flip the switch. I mean, that's really not the case. You, it's not that easy to flip a switch, especially when you got a team like Tampa Bay. They might not thrill you, but one thing they definitely can do is they can play defense. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, T, but I think it's been kind of the, the thought process of our side of the counter and the guests for the last, you know, maybe month to six weeks that Philly is just going to flip the switch, that it, all teams kind of go through a little bit of a funk throughout the course of the season, that they were a little bit beat up, just something that they went through. We know when they got beat by the Cowboys, they had played, I think, three games in 18 days, and it's just part of it. But we keep waiting for that to happen, and there's no indication that it is going to. They seem every single week to get kind of further and further behind. Um, we know there's internal problems. We know that A.J. Brown really is upset with the way that he's been used and the conservative nature of that offense. But that has been them, to run, run some more, and set up the pass. They just don't look like the same team right now. Now, would it stun me if they're playing in the NFC title game and have a chance to go to the Super Bowl? No. But I keep waiting for him to flip that switch. And so far... I haven't seen it, buddy. I know. I know. It is crazy. We're on the other side, you know, Buffalo, you know, was, they were six and six, like you mentioned. And, uh, I know that, uh, that the Buffalo is a very popular choice. Obviously this weekend with over a banged up Pittsburgh team without TJ Watt, they're a 10 point favorite, but I'm sure that you're writing a lot of Buffalo future tickets to win the Super Bowl. Oh, we have been T, especially when they were six and six. The betters didn't give up on them. And I think, Excuse me, that was a product of what the price was. They, they were really overvalued, I think, at that point, or undervalued, I should say. And you saw a lot of money come in on them. And I, I think Buffalo's really good. They seem to like each other. Uh, you want a team that kind of has that swagger and is playing well and is healthy. And they seem to be all these things at, at the right time. I know they had some defensive players banged up early in the year. Uh, Pittsburgh did go in there, not this past season, but the year before and beat them. But that missing TJ Watt, I think, is huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Granted, it's a big number. We know how good Tomlin is. The weather's going to be bad. He can, they can probably find a way to keep it within 10. I just don't think the Bills lose 
on Sunday. Right, and I, we talk about it just about every week, but especially this week, man. You know, you're going to have money line parlays. You're going to have teasers uh, in, in play, and uh, I can I can see a real popular teaser with Buffalo and Dallas. You know, right now, and um, you know, like you said, and you know, even that Rams game. There's a lot of people that uh, will like the Rams in this game and tease them up to ten points there because uh, the Rams are one of the hottest teams in football right now. Like you said, I mean, the teasers are going to be popular. Of every game, we've seen some early action on every favorite. The only one that was kind of bought back a little bit is the one we alluded to earlier, and that's Rams-Lions. So there's no question from our side we're going to need some puppy love in some of these games um, to kind of come through for us. I think there's some compelling matchups. We'll see how it unfolds. Um, but my guess is that, you know, of all the, the, the games, the, the biggest probably or the, the dog that we're going to get some dog play on is the Rams. I think the rest, we're going to be rooting for the dogs pretty heavily. All right. Looking forward to it. Hey, not, we always say this like, hey, you know, not a better weekend than this and that, but it just seems like every weekend we've got something going on, whether there's a college football playoff or, you know, exciting time in the NFL, you know, but man, uh, this opening weekend of the NFL, especially since, you know, the NFL went to, you know, seven teams in each conference and only one team gets the bye. It really is. I mean, this is going to be a fantastic weekend. You know, the beginning of four exciting weeks in a row here. So, uh, can't wait, Chuck. And I know you guys uh, are ready for it. And I know the fans are ready too. I'm with you, T. I love this time of year. Uh, it was a long season and you look at the playoffs now and it's going to be fun. No question. All right. STN mobile app. So easy to use. Make sure that uh, you get that, the, uh, new and revised uh, version of that. And of course, like I said, Go down to any of the station casino properties, especially Saturday night, all right? Because that's it. That's where you can watch the game, all right? You know, if you're not a streaming person or you don't want to pay the money, Chuck Esposito says, come on in, man. We'll make room for you. Be nice and toasty Yeah, come on inside. down and have some fun. And yeah. you're right with the new app, though, T. Some great features. The live feature and the same game parlays. Yeah. If you hadn't checked them out yet, if you're on SDN Sports, Check it out. I think you'll love it. You got it, brother. All right. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Steve. You got it. There he is, Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. All right. Uh, we can't uh, have a terrible Tuesday without uh, adding John Morant, right? John Morant. The news that came out today, John Morant is out for the season. No, he did not get in trouble. He didn't punch anybody out. He didn't get detained by police. He actually got injured in practice. Practice. Yeah. Shoulder injury, right? He tore his labrum. Told tore his labrum in practice and out for the season. He had what, eight games in, I think? Something About like that. that. Yeah. 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 Good job. Yeah. Good job, Ja. Uh, ja out for the rest of the season. Draymond Green back with the Warriors. Get ready for that. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were jawing a little bit back and forth about, uh, Kevin Durant made some comments and Kevin said, Hey, man, I, all I said was, I hope he gets help when, you know, he took the shot from, from Nurkic and Draymond took offense to that one on his podcast. But then I like what Draymond said. Draymond says, you know, after I really analyzed what KD had to say, Maybe he wasn't, you know, I took that word help and took it the wrong way. I got mad because he said I need help. So, but that's part of my growth now. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty much what he said. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm growing. And that comment helped me my growth. And I could be 
better now. So you're not going to have any more issues with me. That's what Draymond's saying. So we will see what that happens. Draymond Green, back with the Warriors. Over, under, how long it's going to take him to get suspended again? Suspender or a technical foul? A tech is going to be the first game. 100%. Probably not. Probably not. No, he's going to behave for about three games. Three or four games. Three or, three or four games? Yeah, I'd say tech four and a half. Okay. Yeah, about right. He's going to be on his best behavior. I'm going to go under on that. Yeah, he probably won't lose it until a playoff game. That's when he's really going to lose it. Because we've seen that before. Leonard Skinner, baby. Tuesday's gone. It's almost gone. All right. Appreciate everyone. Terrible Tuesday take. So, yeah. Go to the website. Check it all out. TCMartShow.com. Thanks to Houston Nut. Paul Gutierrez, Chuck Esposito, part of our all-star cast that you get here each and every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. right here T.C. Martin Show. Have yourself a good one. We're back at it tomorrow with a wild Wednesday. Enjoy. Tonight, UNLV taking on New Mexico, the Thomas and Mack Center. 7.30 game, Mount West Conference game tonight. Going to be good. So check that out tonight. Rick Patino bringing New Mexico in. Jamal Mashburn Jr. They are a good team, New Mexico. See if Kevin Kruger and the Rebels can get the job done tonight. Remember the tip it off, 730 at the TNF tonight. Well, we